Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning at 7.30 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. We're keeping an eye on Morgan Stanley shares. Net income fell 53% to $1.13 billion. That works out to $0.55 cents a share. It was $1.18 a year earlier. Profit this quarter was higher than the $0.47 cent average estimate of analysts surveyed by Bloomberg, and that has shares in Morgan Stanley up 2%. PepsiCo posting its first quarter profit, beating analyst estimates. North American snack sales rose. We ate more junk food. Earnings $0.89 cents a share, excluding some items. Analysts had forecast $0.81. Cents. Shares of PepsiCo up three-tenths of a percent. Verizon, the leading suitor for Yahoo, they say, after a number of bidders decided not to make an offer for the struggling web company. This, according to the Wall Street Journal, Time, Alphabet, IAC Interactive have dropped out. And there's some fallout from the Japanese earthquakes this week. Uh, Sony falling the most in more than two months on news. Its camera chip factory on the southern island of Kyushu is offline. And Mitsubishi UFJ Morgan Stanley analysts say Toyota may see its operating profit fall this quarter after the earthquakes disrupted parts supplies. Now, let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, thank you very much. Ecuador continues to try to dig out from a devastating 7.8 earthquake that killed at least 272 people along the Pacific Ocean coast. In southwestern Japan, U.S. is aid is being flown in by the military for earthquake relief efforts. At least 42 people died and 10 people are still missing after Thursday and early Sunday quakes. About 5,000 police officers will be in place today for the running of the 120th Boston Marathon. Security will be tight along the 26.2-mile course. Boston Police Commissioner William Evans. It's a real crazy world out there, and, you know, you can never be too safe. But, you know, in the near future, hopefully we can slowly but surely get it back to the way it was. The Obama administration will ask the Supreme Court today to put in place two programs that could shield roughly 4 million people from deportation and make them eligible to work in the U.S. Texas is leading 26 states challenging the programs President Obama announced in 2014. Britain's Queen Elizabeth will mark her 90th birthday this week. Nothing fancy planned. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. I think we'll throw a party for the Queen. Now let's check in with Rob Bushka for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Rob? Hey, good morning, Mike. A day after the Rangers nodded things up with Pittsburgh. The Islanders followed suit at Barclays Center. That's your first overtime game ever at Barkley Center. In the playoffs, anyway, and it goes to New York, of course, who snuck one by Roberto Luongo. They beat the Panthers 4-3, to and it gives the Islanders a 2-1 series lead. Game 3 will be Wednesday in Brooklyn. Rangers, they host Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Baseball, Yankees avoided a sweep at the hands of the Mariners at the stadium. Masahiro Tanaka earned his first win of the year. They beat Seattle 4-3. to They'll enjoy the off day today. The Mets, they rely on Harvey and DeGrom and Syndergaard for solid outings. It was Steven Matz, though. He came up big, earned his first win of the year a 6 nothing shutout. Mets are in Philly tonight. NBA playoffs, Cleveland, Miami, San Antonio, and the Clippers. They all won their series. That's your NBC Bloomberg Sports Update. Mike? 
Thank you very much, Rob. Well, the Queen of England's birthday is the 21st. She'll be 90. She was born Princess Elizabeth Alexandra Mary in 1926. Party here on Bloomberg. Definitely on Bloomberg Surveillance, we will celebrate the Queen's birthday right now. Uh, they're not celebrating in London, whether it's the price of oil or the battle over Brexit, which has officially launched now. The FTSE is down by 11 points, two-tenths of a percent. On a percentage basis, one of your worst performers right now. Although the United States, uh, along the same lines, S&P futures are off by three-tenths. Dow futures, two-tenths lower right now. Time for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than 110 million dollars a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here's John Tucker. And some of the stories making news in science, technology, engineering, and math this morning. Privately owned startup OneWeb will build a factory to mass produce small satellites near NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Uh, People familiar with the matter have told Reuters the company plans an initial production run of 900 satellites to provide high-speed Internet access. OneWeb has raised about $500 million from several backers, including Virgin Group, Airbus, Qualcomm, and Coca-Cola. Ford's partner in China has completed a 1,200-mile road test of a self-driving car. Chongqing Chang'ang Automobile says the vehicle used cameras and radar on the trip to test lane-changing, cruise control, and to negotiate traffic congestion. The push for self-driving vehicles part of a broader state initiative in China urging manufacturers to upgrade their technology. The World Health Organization and the Pan American Health Organization have launched a new Zika research projects list it's a database that lists and categorizes all studies on the virus. Among other things, experts have analyzed and mapped the gaps in scientific knowledge about the virus and its implications for public health. Yeah, that is this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Thank you. John Tucker, who is with Bloomberg News, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, her title is a little bit longer. Queen of the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and head of the Commonwealth. Okay. She needs a bigger business card than <laughs> Some tells me she doesn't need a business card. <laughs> Phil Verliger is president of PK Verliger. He doesn't need as big a business card as the Queen either, but probably knows more about the oil markets. And the oil markets are kind of what's driving asset classes today with West Texas at thirty eight ninety one down three point six percent. Brent crude is at forty one seventy six. That's a 3.1% decline on the day. All this after oil ministers from about 16 countries, including most members of OPEC, met in Qatar and failed to agree on any kind of production limits. Uh, Phil, nobody in the oil markets took that seriously. Uh, they never felt there was going to be any kind of meaningful reduction in the amount of oil uh, that was out there, just uh, basically just a, a fig leaf, and yet we see this kind of reaction. Why the psychological reaction to something that everybody would have told you last week wasn't going to mean anything anyway. Michael, the the word that I keep using is irrational exuberance, or my my phrase, irrational petro exuberance. There are the the oil market benefits from thousands, maybe not a million, uh, people investing in oil uh, who are not involved in the industry. Open interest in the futures markets, well over 5 billion barrels now. And that's grown. And 
what happened is that a lot of people believed the hype, and they thought something was going to happen. And so they started to sell, and that has sent down the uh, the forward price. Uh, we'll know better uh, what's going on in about uh, 2 two or 3 o'clock when the cash price from Brent comes in, which is what the price that people pay for a cargo of oil. That has been tightening in the physical market. It's been tightening, and it's been tightening for a number of reasons. Venezuela, every time I talk on this show, we talk about Venezuela. Well, now the power is about to go out, and the president has asked women not to use uh, hair, uh, hair dryers to blow their hair. Uh, it's the El Nino is killing the, uh, the, the, the water at, at behind the big dam. He's got a good story on it in the Bloomberg line. It's, uh, we see problems in Nigeria. Now Kuwait today has uh, got a strike, which probably will last a little while. You go back and you, uh, you, Richard Haas was talking about Saudi Arabia there at the end of his in, interview on, on the show, a very good comment. But what we have also is uh, uh, the, uh, the problems in Kuwait. We have the problems across the Gulf. And it's, we're going to be nickeled and dimed in terms of losing supply. So, so we, you know, the situation is reversed for a while. Well, the question then becomes how far would oil prices fall? Uh, I don't think oil prices are going to fall very much because uh, Venezuela is tipping. Uh, it may uh, production may drop dramatically uh, in the next month or two. Uh, last week, uh, Schlumberger announced it was leaving, and really upset uh, PDVSA because the national oil company there because they the Venezuelans can't pay them. They're, they owe PDV, uh, Schlumberger a couple billion dollars. And, they, and Venezuela needs uh, Schlumberger to make its oil fields work. Uh, they also need electricity. They don't have it. So I think oil dips, and then oil goes back up a little bit. Uh, I don't think it goes up a lot because what's going to happen is as these investors step out, the economics of storing oil uh, become uh, problematic. And we have stored over a billion barrels of oil over the last year, and that, some of that oil is going to start, start coming out of storage. So that you know, we move up, say, into a 40 to a $50 range, and then that restarts a good deal of production in the United States, and that will come back pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, so we go back down. But, it's, you know, this, is, this was, you know, this was a sell the, uh, buy the rumor, sell the news. Let's come back with Phil Verliger of PK Verliger and talk more about uh, what happens in the petroleum space, not just... Uh, in the asset, but also in the countries that produce it. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Mount Kisco Volvo. Visit mountkiscovolvo.com. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and this update's brought to you by the professional MBA at Bentley University, offering streamlined admissions to working professionals like you and the ability to set your own pace because your experience matters. Learn more at bentley.edu slash PMBA. Morgan Stanley reporting first quarter profit that beat analyst estimates as revenue from trading stocks and bonds declined less than some analysts predicted. Shares are up more than 3% this morning. PepsiCo up about 1%. It posted first quarter profit that also beat analyst estimates. 
estimates. U.S. stock index futures are lower following a weekly advance in equities after talks between the world's largest oil producers ended without a deal on freezing output. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 7 points. Dow E-mini futures down 49. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 14. The DAX in Germany is down a tenth of a percent. CAC in Paris and FT100 both down about two tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd. The yield 1.74 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.72 percent. NYMEX crude oil down at 3.9 percent on a dollar 55 to 38.81 a barrel. COMEX gold is up four tenths percent or four dollars ninety cents to 12.39.50 an ounce. The euro a dollar 13.02. The yen 108.25. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Mosco, thank you very much. We're talking with Phil Verliger of PK Verliger um, about the oil situation now with the failure of the Doha talks and oil prices falling. And you mentioned you didn't think they would go down that far, that they would then start to rise again into the 40 to $50 range. Uh, does that then bring the frackers back in? And if that's the case, then you know, where do prices go from there? This, this gets very hard to game out, I would imagine. Uh, it is impossible to game out. Uh, you know, Mr. Haas said the said that uh, prices are essentially unforecastable, and he, he's right. I, you know, there's a range. It's clear that the Saudis want to increase their production because they understand some of the oil they have in the ground will never be produced uh, due to global warming considerations. 2060, 2070, we'll be we won't be using oil probably much, but they. Uh, how much we produce is, is hard to say. Uh, I think that probably 60 is a, is a cap. The Wall Street Journal had a, a really good op, uh, optic uh, still there on the web that shows the cost of producing in various countries, and it's well below 60 in the United States, so supply will increase here. Uh, supply will increase in Canada. Supply will increase in Russia. Russia is a rich area for fracking. It's going to take some time, but they will be fracking. And so the, I think oil stays someplace. You know, it'll go above sixty occasionally, uh, right. but it'll be in the forties, down to the thirties. Uh, I, I mean, there, the New York. The really interesting thing that nobody's talking about today is an article in the Saturday uh, New York Times about Saudi Arabia possibly pulling seven hundred billion dollars in assets from the United States as a piece of oil. Well, discuss it. This is where you're so good in yeah. terms of crossing over to uh, the politics. I saw that article. What's it mean? Well. It's, I'm scared because I think the Saudis are really, would be really worried if that legislation passed. The legislation would allow the Saudi government to be sued. It would lift sovereign immunity for the 9-11 attacks. And I understand why those who were affected by it are worried. But if the Saudis, if the law passes and the Saudis decide they want to pull all that money, uh, it, it could have, it could really uh, push the economy down and that would take oil prices down. Uh, now, you know, I, I was at the Peterson Institute for International Economics for years, so I, I talked to Ted Truman, who was quoted in the article, and you know, the conventional view is the Saudis wouldn't do that. The conventional view is it would just disrupt financial markets too much. But the conventional view is that the, the, the Saudi Arabia was going to do something in November 2014. This comes back to what ha Richard Haas was saying about the stability of the Saudi government. This is a new bunch of people, and... If I were a Saudi, I would look at this and say, gee, uh, the Iranian assets were frozen from 1979 till 2015 in the United States. Uh, I don't dare risk leaving $700 billion in the United States. You pull that, 
Yeah. You really disrupt the world economy, and uh, gosh knows where we yeah. go. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for bringing this article. Michael McKee, very quickly, Mr. Truman, who, folks, to put it in perspective, it's not outrageous to say he invented the G20 uh, concept. Ted Truman, quote, the only way Saudi Arabia could punish us is by punishing themselves, which is sort of the gameplay there. Michael? Yeah, I've known Ted for uh, for years. Very smart man. Uh hey. I'm wondering, uh, Phil, uh, about Iran in this situation as well. Uh, they're not uh, necessarily tied up in the 9-11 bill, but how much more oil can they produce, and what kind of effect is the face-off with the Saudis going to have on their oil production? Uh, I, I, one, I'm not sure about Iran. Uh, it's it's uh, an enigma to me. Uh, I think they can probably produce three or 400,000 barrels a day more this year. Uh, and that will supplement the loss in production from some other countries like Nigeria and Venezuela. So, so that I, I don't think the Saudis are as worried about as Iran as they are about uh, some of the other, particularly Venezuela and these other countries. You know, the Saudis and the Venezuelans had a fight uh, many years ago over market share. The Vens were going to put push the United uh, Saudis out of the United States. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Iran is a, is a, uh, a sideshow. I guess is the word I'll use right now. Uh, it, it, it's 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 not the real show. The What's Saudis, the real show? The real show is that the Saudis want to keep the price at forty or fifty dollars a barrel to build their market share. Maybe they'll let it go to 30 or 25. They want to build their market share. They want to produce their oil first. The Kuwaitis want to produce their oil first. The UAE wants to produce their oil first. And they want to let the high-cost producers shut down. Who's, and that's the who, bottom line. Who's the highest-cost producers? I think right now Venezuela is probably the highest-cost producer. Canada's number two. And... Uh, and those are, you know, the two producers that, are, that will probably be uh, see yeah. the quickest drop in output. And the, I'm sure the Saudis understand uh, that the fracking in the United States is going to continue. And they also understand right. fracking will continue in Russia. So that essentially they want to keep the price to a level where the right. growth in fracking isn't so great that it squeezes okay. Middle Eastern production out. If you're with us, folks, Philip K. Verliger with us on oil. One of his August resume builders was to be a professor. Am I right, Phil, at the University of Calgary? Yeah, I was a David Mitchell and Canada professor yeah. there for several years. So it's not your fault the Canadians aren't in the Stanley Cup, right? We're not going to pin I, that I, on I you. Know, it's not my responsibility yeah. at all. Ken Dryden was a classmate at Cornell. And, and, and well, that's I'm a good sorry. thing. Sorry, you know, and I'm sorry Oberlin doesn't have a... Uh, a hockey team. Well, I am too, but but it's very <laughs> historic that you were with uh, uh, Mr. Dryden during the magic of the Cornell years. Luke Kawa writing for uh, Bloomberg, should Canadians be rooting for a lower oil price? This is Benny Tal's wonderful work up at CIBC. I mean, it, it's very counterintuitive. Is Does Canada benefit with lower oil prices? Canada really wants lower oil prices. Uh, one, the, the Canadians, like the United States, uh, can bring Bring their costs down, and so they can be competitive. I mean, the great thing about the Canadian economy, the U.S. economy, is we're market-oriented. Again, the, uh, Mr. Haas was talking about this. It's uh, you know the Venezuelans suffer dramatically because of what's happened since uh, to, uh, 1990 with Chavez. Uh, but Canada can be very competitive with lower oil prices, and the thing is, the Canadian economy, is, the population in Canada is is in Ontario and Quebec. 
and British Columbia, and they need the lower oil prices for their economy to be competitive, and they need to readjust. They can do it, and they will do it, and the Canadians are very resourceful. Uh, but if they're among the highest-cost producers, what level of oil prices can they get down to? I think probably they can get down to 60 or 55. They just, again, this comes back to irrational exuberance. You look at all the money that was poured into the oil exploration. The Canadians were, uh, were building, uh, Taj Mahal's in Calgary. There's a huge building that Encana built while I was teaching up there. Uh, it was, you know, they, they thought prices had no place to go but up. And this is the classic example in oil. I mean, and if you go back, this is the third example of this. I mean, it was fiber optics around 2000. It was housing in 2005 to 2009. It was oil from 2009 uh, to today. It's you have to think about doing things at reasonable costs and get your costs down. And, and the U.S. is doing a pretty good job. The Saudis are doing a pretty good job of that. Phil, thank you so much. Phil Verliger, P.K. Verliger, on a wide set of topics. Mike, what really is important is look how on his great article, I just put it out on Twitter, folks, on Canada and lower oil prices, has a photograph of one C. Crawford of the Chicago Blackhawks, <laughs> who was lights out phenomenal yesterday. They were both great. The goal attending was wild. Did you happen to watch the Capitals Philadelphia game? A little bit. I watched Mr. a little bit of everything. Did you see Mr. Mason's major, major, major I movie. saw that. It uh, looked like Tom Keene goal. It was goals. so painful. The I, puck, I, folks, was at the red line, the center ice line, and it was sort of tossed. It wasn't a shot. Yeah. Do you agree? No, it wasn't a shot. <laughs> and it went, it went between his legs into the goal. As, uh, as somebody said, that, that video clip will live on for decades. It will, which... You, you know, never say never when you. Anyways, it, it's, a, it's, it's a hockey moment, folks, and we're, we're uh, loving it on a Monday morning. But th- Benny Tall of CIBC, Benny Tall, Mike, is the best economist I've ever seen on studying who is small business in America. The best. And he's just great at thinking about what small business America is doing. That was brilliant with Phil Verliger. What a great way to start the week as we do economics, finance, investment. Another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.